Come on, come on. All right, it's good to see everybody this morning. Take your Bible, turn to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. Now, I'm going to let you kind of in on something. I've talked to some of you, some of you heard me mention this before, uh, but I kind of want you in on some insider information about me personally as a pastor and as a preacher. What happens is this. Now, on Sunday morning, we give an invitation Right? I'm still waiting for you to come. You know who you are. And so I, I give the invitation. And then uh, when the invitation's over and we do our announcements, and then Scott or, or one of our guys will pray for us. And then uh, as we're praying, Alicia will come and, and, and she'll take me by the hand. And, um, and then we'll, we'll walk down the, the aisle. <laughs> we'll walk, that sounds funny. We'll walk down the aisle. We'll go out in the foyer to greet folks as as you leave, right? And so what happens is almost every time, probably 80% of the time, is that when we get out there, if there's not a security guy standing too close, they can hear what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Right? If the security guy's over here, because y'all know we have security here at Grace. We've got one out in the foyer right now. We've got a security guy in the sanctuary right now. And uh, uh, you make a move, we got you. And so uh, you just need to know, welcome to Grace. And so, um, but as I go out in the foyer, if the security guy's not too close, I'll lean into Alicia and I'll say a variation of this, some form of this. I'll say, referring to the sermon, I'll say, that was terrible. That was terrible. That was awful. And then she has to go, no, it wasn't. You're stupid. And I'm like, you're stupid. <laughs> and then it's like, God bless you. Welcome. <laughs> Come back. No, I'm kidding. The stupid part doesn't happen. I'm kidding. But the other, I will. I'll be like, that was awful. That's awful. You know, and I'll be like, oh, I can do better. Why did I say that? You know, why did I tell everybody that we call each other stupid in the foyer in the sermon, right? Why did I say, oh, I meant to talk about this and I didn't even talk about it. I meant to emphasize this. I meant to point out this. I thought, oh, the gospel wasn't really clear. I just, oh, that was terrible. Often. I mean, that probably happens more often than not. Very seldom do I walk out of here and think, got him, right? I mean, home run, baby, right? Grand slam, right? No, that almost never happens, right? And maybe the same thing is true for you in your life. Maybe sometimes you feel a little bit insecure. You don't really feel like you did that good at something. Maybe you feel a little bit inadequate. Maybe somewhere in the back of your mind, you feel like, hey, something's wrong with me. Now, if you've ever felt like that, I just want to encourage you this morning by telling you that you're absolutely right. You're not adequate. There is something wrong with you. Write this down. Take some notes this morning. Apart from Christ, you're absolutely broken. Apart from Christ, you're absolutely broken and inadequate. In fact, in our main text today, the Apostle Paul is going to basically tell us three things. And let me kind of summarize these. these are, this is you without Christ. You're sinful, you're spiritually dead, and you're the object of God's wrath. You're sinful, you're spiritually dead, and you're the object of God's wrath. Again, welcome to Grace Baptist Church. We hope you feel good about yourself this morning, right? What we're going to do, though, is we're going to let God's word speak. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. Let's look at it together. And the Apostle Paul says, and you, made, and you he made alive. Again, he's referring to saved people, redeemed people. 
And so, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. That's, that's who you were before Christ. You were dead in your trespasses and sin. Look at the last part of verse 3. Go to the last part of verse 3. It says, and we're by nature children of wrath just as the others. He's saying because of your sin, you're subject to the anger of God, the wrath of God, the judgment of God. I know people don't like to, t- I, some churches don't like to talk about that and you'll never hear it, right? There's other churches, that's all they want to talk about is hell because, and they sound like they're glad that people are going. Right, But we want to be balanced in our approach when it comes to Scripture. Let the Word of God speak. And the Word of God clearly says, apart from uh, the grace of God, you're subject to the wrath of God. Right Now look at verse number 4. It says, but God, which is always the best way a verse starts, because you're usually in trouble. And then it says, but... God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in, uh, in trespasses. Uh, and might, that should remind you of that other verse, that, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the same thing Paul is saying here. He's saying God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, understand this. Now, I don't want to hold anything back this morning. Look at this next slide. Without Christ, there is a whole, whole, whole lot wrong with you. Without Christ, there is a lot that is wrong with you. You're sinful, you're spiritually dead, and you're the object of God's wrath. You're living life, like I noticed this when we were singing, you're living life like this speaker, right? Some of y'all probably thought this was doing something up here. It's doing nothing. This is for Randy. Hey, Randy. It's for Randy, uh, the guy that does percussion for us, box drum. This is his monitor. He's not here. It's not plugged in. And so many of you are living life not plugged in, right? And maybe you look like a speaker. You, 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 have, you, you have all the attributes of a speaker, but you're not plugged in. You're living on your own power and not the power of God. There is a whole lot wrong with you when you're trying to live life without Christ. So last week, what did we talk about? We talked about being uh, ambassadors for God. We're Christ's ambassadors. Remember that from last week where we said we don't represent ourselves. When we get saved, we represent God. It's not our agenda. It's not our plan. God's agenda, God's plan. We are ambassadors for Christ, right? And we talked about when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Well, this week, I'm gonna, as we look at the fact that uh, we're God's ambassadors, I want you to also understand, write this down, that with Christ, without Christ, a whole lot wrong with you. With Christ, you are God's workmanship created for good works. With Christ, you are God's workmanship created for good works. Another translation of uh, that word workmanship, it translates it as masterpiece. You are God's Masterpiece. I know you don't feel like it. And I know your husband doesn't act like it, but he is. Amen. If he's trusted Christ, you are the workmanship of God in Jesus created for good works. Let's look at verse number eight. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. It says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Verse 10, for we are his, say it church, workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, disclaimer, uh, you've got to understand this before we go on. Look at the next slide. We are not saved by our good works, but we're absolutely saved for good works, okay? Uh, We're not saved by our good works, but we're saved 
for good works, right? We're not saved by the good things that we do. We're saved to do good things for the one who saved us. And that's what the Word of God teaches. If you're in Christ, it doesn't matter how you feel about yourself this morning. I mean, I'm not that good. I'm not that talented. I don't have what it takes. You need to understand that you've been made new in Christ. You are his ambassador and you are his workmanship. But you're not like just like a beautiful, like a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. You're not like just some beautiful painting on the wall for people to look at every once in a while and go, that's nice. You know, sitting in some museum getting dust all over it. No, you're the workmanship of God created for the master's purpose. For his purpose. In fact, um, the, look at this next slide. The Greek word uh, for workmanship, uh, poema. Uh, poema. It means, it's where we get our word for poem. Our English word for poem comes from this word for workmanship. And so in a sense, with Christ, you're supposed to be this poetic statement of the glory of God. You're a poetic statement, a declaration of the glory and the grace of God. That's what you are in Christ. And when you believe that, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. And so, again, this morning, three thoughts that I hope that we'll dig down deep into as we recognize we're the workmanship of God. As God's workmanship, number one, write this down. You are created for God's purpose. You're created for God's purpose. As God's workmanship, you're created for the master's plan. You exist to bring glory to God. Now, um, in, in your notes there, I've got Psalm 139. It's really cool how what we just read by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, how well it matches up with what uh, King David said in the Old Testament and Psalm 139. They're both saying the same thing, basically. Look at it, Psalm 139 and verse 13. He says, uh, talking to God, you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Paul says, you're the workmanship of God, created for God's good purposes. Uh, King David says, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, right? All the days were ordained uh, for me, written in your book, before I was ever even born. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You're the workmanship of God, created for good works, for God's good works. The problem is, so many people don't believe that they're God's workmanship. They don't understand their purpose, when you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse a thing. When you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse it, right? This is a speaker, right? It's not being used right now. But if we were to take this speaker and make a nice end table out of it, it might make a decent end table, but that's not why it was created. It was created to be a speaker, to be plugged into the power source, right? Does that make sense? Hey, imagine uh, uh, some children to get into a, 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 a toolbox and they pull some tools out. Just little, little kids, and they start trying to screw in a screw with a hammer. Well, they try to hammer in a nail with a screw. I've actually done that, hammer a, a nail in with a screwdriver, but it's not the purpose for which it was created. When you don't understand what something's purpose, you'll abuse it. When you don't understand the purpose of the thing, you'll abuse the thing. That's why so many people fall into things like substance abuse. When you don't understand your purpose, you're going to abuse yourself. Many people fall into those traps. I mean, think about uh, sex. God designed it for marriage. But when you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you'll abuse that thing. Right? In a way that God never intended. We need, when you know who you are, then you'll know 
what to do. And when you don't know the purpose of your life, you end up abusing the masterpiece, the workmanship of God. But when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Workmanship of God created for God's purpose. Number two, write this down. Also is God's workmanship. You have all that you need to do whatever God wants you to do. We talk about this all the time. You have all that you need to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. God has given us everything we need in this life to do everything that he is calling us to do. God never calls somebody without equipping them. Never, never, never. That's why I'm going to be honest. Can I be honest? I'll start now. Listen, let me be honest. <laughs> that hurts the preachers. I doubt they've been called. Why? They can't preach. God, God's not going to call you and not equip you. God equipped you for something. It just may not be preaching. Right? Many people. Think about Moses. God called Moses. Moses, I want you to go to Egypt. Tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Moses said, well, I, I can't do it. I'm, I'm not a good talker, Lord. I can't do it. I'm a God, I'm not a good speaker. I'm just, I can't go. You got the run. And then what did God say? God didn't go, you know what, Moses, you're right, my bad. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I thought I was talking to Aaron over here, and I was talking to you, Right? I mean, it's so God gives you everything that you need to do exactly what he's called you to do, right? The problem is so many people have what I call masterpiece envy. Masterpiece envy. You're so busy looking at what God has given other people, you never spend the time looking at what God has given you and putting it to use for God's glory instead of your own. Well, I'm not like them, and I don't have this, and I wish I had more. Listen, when we look at other people, we don't realize how God has created us. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. We look at others and we get so focused on them, we don't look at ourselves and get focused on what God wants us to do. For example, let me just be, again, really honest with you guys. There's, I don't know if you know this. There's some things I can't do. It's a true story. And, I, and listen, and I'm going to confess this, and I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anybody. So if you're, if you're shocked at this statement, try not to gasp. <laughs> Contain yourself. Scott is a better singer than me. I know, Ricky. Freaked me out. <laughs> when I finally admitted it and said it out loud, it's a tough thing. to. Scott's a better singer than me. I mean, he is. Uh, if you, for those of you who saw the video, my son kicks people to the head better than I do. Amen? <laughs> my leg just doesn't go that high anymore. It's just not happening. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? Oh, you missed it. Come to church. <laughs> I'm not a mechanic. I'm not a good me uh, mechanic, right? I can't, I mean, I can do some basic guy stuff, but like if you break down on the side of the road and you're like, who am I? Lord, who do I need to call? And the Lord says, call Marcus. You say, Lord, try again. <laughs> you call me, I'm going to call Russ. <laughs> I'm just going to pray, Lord, help him get to the shop. Amen. I'm not a mechanic. I'm not good at that kind of stuff. I wish that I was. I wish I had more aptitude in that. Right? But here's what you need to know. God didn't create me to sing. God didn't create, uh, create me to cry to kid people upside the head. God didn't create me to fix broken cars. God created me to preach the gospel. And when I stop looking at what I cannot do, I see what I can do, and that I'm the workmanship of God created for God's purposes, and I can fulfill God's purpose for my life. And you can fulfill God's purpose for your life. You are God's Workmanship. Number three, what does that mean? That means that God uses everything in your life. 
God uses everything in your life for his purpose. Look at Romans 8, 28. We, we talk about this all the time. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Let me ask you, when he says all things, does that include uh, uh, the good things? Yes. When he says all things, does that include the bad things? Yes. When he says all things, does that include the things that you're grateful for? Yes. When he says all things, does that include the things that you regret deeply? Yes. And when he says all things, does this mean all people? No. Who does it mean? To those who are called according to his purpose. People that have been saved, redeemed, and forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. That's who he's working all things together for good. It's not for everybody. It's for the redeemed. When you realize that he is the potter, that you're the clay, that he's shaping and molding your life, you are his workmanship. It'll give you the confidence that you need to do what God is calling you to do. You see all kinds of examples of this in scripture, but one of my favorite ones is Joseph. Now, I don't think I've ever mentioned this uh, to you guys before, but Joseph, one of my favorite Bible characters, but I am pretty sure Joseph knew that he was God's masterpiece. And he didn't mind telling everybody. I just feel like Joseph could have had a dream where everybody was bowing down to him. He didn't need to go tell him, hey, you're going to bow down to me. A little ego driven there, okay? Joseph ain't perfect. He's a, he's a type, a picture, a symbol in the Old Testament of Jesus, but he wasn't Jesus. Okay? And so my, my, you know, he was the good looking kid. He wakes up, hair looks good. You know what I'm talking about? Probably had a head full of hair. We hate you. And it's... <laughs> Joseph. And so his brothers get jealous. Of course they get jealous. This pretty boy. Oh, he's coming around here. Pretty boy. Uh, dad's favorite with his coat of many colors. And so they decide that they're going to kill him. But then in the last minute, no, let's just sell him into slavery. So they sell him into slavery. Now, do you think that's what Joseph wanted? Oh, Lord, thank you for being sold. In. No, that's not what Joseph wanted. That wasn't on his plan. That wasn't on his agenda. They sell him into slavery. He gets sold to the house of Potiphar. And so he's working for Potiphar, and he's doing the best job that he can. And then one day, Potiphar's wife comes and throws herself at him, and he rejects her. And so she falsely, she falsely accused him uh, of trying to throw himself on her, so he gets himself thrown into prison. Now, do you think that's what Joseph wanted, to be thrown in prison? Absolutely not. Oh, just, you know, slavery wasn't good enough. I want prison. But again, the potter was shaping the clay. And through a series of unusual events and some dreams that got interpreted and, and God moving, uh, uh, Joseph ends up being the number two guy over all the land of Egypt. And God used him during a time of famine. There's no telling how many lives were saved because Joseph was in that position of authority. And years later, his brothers, it come time and through a series of events, his brothers are right there in the palm of his hand. You know what I'm talking about? Where he could do whatever he wants to do. I mean, if it's payback time, it's now. I've got them right where I want them. And then when the brothers realize, uh-oh, uh-oh, Shaggy. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> when, when the brothers realize, Joseph, oh, no, we sold him to slavery. We thought he was dead. He's going to kill us. He's going to take our lives. And what does Joseph say? No. No, 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 no. He says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. What he's saying is this. God took all of these bad things that happened to me, and he used them to shape me and make me who I am today. And God took me through that so I could be prepared for this. What you meant for evil, God was using for good. And God was using 
everything in Joseph's life. And God is using everything in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, to shape you and mold you into who he wants you to be in the future. When I look back on my life, I've got a lot of regrets, right? I bet you do too if you're just being honest. But I know that God used it to make me into who I am today. He even used the bad stuff that I did. Because here's the deal. Doing what I was, knowing that, knowing that I'm called to preach the gospel. Right? And knowing where God, what God took me out of. When I preach against sin, it's because I have lived in sin and I know how destructive it is. I know how my sin has hurt other people. I know how my sin has hurt myself. I know how my sin or how other people's sin has hurt me. And I, I've seen how destructive it is. I wasn't some choir boy. And so I know what it's like to hurt over sin and how destructive it is. And that's why I can preach against it with a passion. And when I tell you that Jesus can change somebody, it's because he changed me. I understand. I know. It's like sometimes people talk about evidence and faith and all these things. And I remember Adrian Rogers talked about this. This isn't exactly what he would say. I always use coconut cake because I love coconut cake. And when we finally have us another fellowship meal, there better be some coconut cake. Okay? And so that's the only thing going to make me feel better after preaching this terrible sermon. And so listen. <laughs> so listen. But you don't have to. You try to convince me, right, that coconut cake is real. I, you, you don't have to. I've tasted I've eaten it, I've seen, and the evidence is on the inside. You don't have to try to convince me that God's love and grace and mercy is real because I've tasted and I've seen and I've got it on the inside. I know what he's done in my heart, so I know what he can do in yours. All of the darkness in the past makes the light of God's glory and grace and love even brighter now. I'm not who I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not who I used to be. Because when you know who you are, you know what to do. Now, some of you right now, you're thinking about your past. Me talking about mine, and maybe you're thinking about yours. And maybe you think, you know what? I don't really like myself. Maybe right now in this moment, I don't like myself. I don't like who I am. I don't like some of the things I've done. I don't like who I've become. And I want you to know this morning, that may be completely legitimate for you to feel that way. There may be some things you shouldn't like. But I've got good news for you. If you've got a problem with yourself this morning, write this down. Let God change you. Let God change you. He's the potter. You're the clay. Let God change you. You can be the workmanship of God created for God's purpose. Again, look at Jeremiah 18 verse 3 in your notes. It says, Then I went down to the potter's house. And there he was making something at the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Some of you this morning, you think you've gone too far, seen too much, said too much. You've hurt so much. You've got so much anger and so much bitterness in your life. You don't think that God can do anything with it. He can make it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Let God change you. He's the potter. You're the clay. Through Christ, you can be the masterpiece created for his purpose. So who are you? You're God's workmanship, right? When you're in Christ, you've been saved. You've been forgiven. You're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works. And God has given you everything that you need to do everything that he is calling you to do. He's equipped you and given it to you. And if there's some area, something in your life that you don't like, you need to give it to God and surrender to him and let him work 
in the mess that you've made. Through Christ, you can be the workmanship of God created for his good purposes. Or you can just be you, man. The workmanship of Marcus created for Marcus's purposes. But that won't get me where I need to be. Let's pray. Father God, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would do a work right here, right now, in the life of your people. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Please no looking around for just a moment. Pray for your neighbors. All right, be respectful of those around you for just a second. Those of you this morning, you recognize, you know that you're saved. You know that you're forgiven. You know that you're a believer. You've surrendered. But you'd be willing to say in just an honesty that you want to live that out. That you recognize that you're an ambassador, that you're the workmanship of God created for God's purposes. And your desire right now as a believer is simply this. God, help me to live surrendered to your purposes for my life. Is that your prayer this morning? Slip your hand up all over the congregation. I want to pray for all of us. All of us. Father God, we pray as believers. We're your children. Lord, thank you for the access that you give us. Lord, I pray that whatever insecurities we might have, whatever is holding us back from being who you've called us to be, God, that you would just eliminate that from our life. God, that you've created us anew, that we're a new creation and that we are yours. And God, that you created us to bring glory to your name. And Father, that's what I pray for, that we would glorify you in everything that we do. God, that we would know who we are. And God, in your wisdom, we would know what to do. God, that we would live out your purposes and confidence that you're taking everything in our life and you're going to bring about your good and glory. Father, we just surrender to your will and God, that you will carry it out to completion. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Those of you this morning, you don't know, man. If you're being honest, you're like this speaker up here. You're unplugged. You know it. You have no spiritual power in your life. You're running on your own tank and your tank is running empty. You don't really know Jesus. You don't really know that you're forgiven. And sure, you try to make deals and bargains with them. And, and you, you, look up for just a second, guys. This is what a lot of people do. We mistakenly believe. No matter how many times the preacher says, you're not saved by good works, right? Your good works don't save you. But somehow we come and we go and we still somehow think that our relationship with God is based on maybe I can do more good things than bad things and then God will be happy with me. Then God will be pleased. Even though that's the exact opposite of what the Word of God says. If you don't know Jesus, again, you're like this speaker, unplugged, without power. You have nothing in you that can overcome the sin in your life. Right? You don't have what it takes. And if you did, Jesus should have never came to the cross and died. It's the cruelest thing that's ever happened in the history of the world. If you can save yourself by being good. And we talked about this all the time, but if we were being honest, every one of us would have to admit... We've lied, we've stolen, we've used God's name in an unworthy manner, some fashion or another, and we've looked at someone with lust. That makes us lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart. Do you really think being nice to your nana is going to outweigh you being a lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator at heart? Do you think working hard for your family, even the pagans do that? You think uh, uh, working hard for your family is going to outweigh the fact that you're at minimum a lying, thieving, 
blaspheming, adulterator heart. It won't. You don't have what it takes to pay the price. Jesus does. Look again at these verses. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not about you. It's about what he did for you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Apart from the grace of God, God will judge you righteously. And when he judges you righteously, he's going to find you guilty. Minimum, lying, thieving, blasphemy, adulterator, heart. And when he finds you guilty, you'll be eternally separated him from him in a place called hell. For all of eternity. And you're going to go because you want to. What do I mean by... See, God is saying yes to you right now. You're like, Jesus, do I need to be saved? Yes. Jesus, will you save me? Yes. He wants you to say yes to him. But when you get on the other side of eternity, when you're going to want to say yes, he's going to put his no with your no. And you're going to be eternally separated from God. Why? I don't know. Because of pride, right? You're too prideful to admit that you're a sinner and to be forgiven. Because you think that you're good enough. What good reason is there for you this morning, right now, to not surrender your life to Jesus? He's the only hope that you have. He's all the hope that you need. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washes us white as snow. This morning, have your sins been washed away? Are you still trying to have that victory? You're not even plugged into the source. Let's pray one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a second. Pray for your neighbors. No looking around. Listen, you're here this morning and you know that you need Jesus. God is speaking to your heart. He's saying yes to you right now. You need to say yes to him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now, listen, I just want the privilege of praying with you. I promise you, I will not single you out. I will not pull you forward. I will not embarrass you. You've been here enough. You know we don't do that. But I do want the privilege of praying with you. Just kind of a, as a symbol of you humbling yourself before God. You want to pray and receive Jesus Christ right now. Would you slip your hand up for just a second? Slip your hand up. God bless you. I see you. Who else? Listen, why don't you, why don't you pray this prayer right there in your seat? Maybe you, didn't, you weren't one of those that raised their hand. Right there in that seat right now. Why don't you simply just humble yourself in your heart and simply say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Talk to them. Lord, I'm a sinner. I sin. Lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterator. God, I sin, but I turn from my sin and I'm turning to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, say, Lord, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for uh, my salvation. All of me, I surrender to all of you. Jesus, all of me, I understand. I surrender to all of you, I understand. Save me, Jesus. I want to encourage you, if you just prayed that prayer, if you were serious and did business with God, he just saved you, man. He redeemed you. God's word is clear. It says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Did you call on him? I want to encourage you to make that decision public. The first step for believers to follow through in believers' baptism. Uh, We're going to do one today in the 11 o'clock service. Why don't you come this morning and be baptized, identify publicly with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's important as a step of obedience and a step of faith.
Or maybe this morning you recognize that your baptism, salvation are out of whack and you need to get them in the right order. We get saved and then we get baptized. If you get baptized before you got saved, you've never been baptized. You need to get that right. It's a step of obedience. You can come this morning, we'll pray and rejoice with you, schedule that time for you. Maybe you're here this morning and God is calling you to be a part of the Grace Baptist family. This is your church home. You know it and he has confirmed it. Why don't you come this morning and make it official? Serve and grow right here at Grace. Maybe this morning during this invitation, you need to come and pray, man. You need to come and pray for our country. You need to come pray for your family. You need to pray for yourself. You pray for your spouse. You need to do business with God. I just want to encourage you. Use this invitation for your good and for God's glory. Father God, we surrender this time to you. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me? You come. Your mercy remains Should I stumble again So I'm caught in your grace